Hi, and welcome to Cycles of Life podcast. My name is Jana Puisha, and I'm a certified life coach, trainer, and human resource professional, and very much a self-development enthusiast. This podcast is about our ever-changing life, because it's never just a simple straight line. It doesn't always have predictable patterns and turns. Everything around us is a collection of repeating and evolving cycles. So this podcast attempts to explore the nuance of life. I will be sharing thoughts and stories based on my self-exploration and work as a life coach, but also interviews with inspiring people. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. So today I'm interviewing somebody who actually I know very well, so I'm very excited about this interview. Uh, I'm talking to Anna Jenkin, who is a nutritionist, but she will explain her official title. But I just thought it would be good to preempt the conversation saying, actually, we've been friends for a very long time. So we've known each other for majority of our adult life, I would say. So hi, Anna, how are you doing? Hello. Hi. Um, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Very exciting. Doing really well. Um, and like you said, yeah, so I'm so glad we finally doing this we I think we have a long history you know we've known each other from university and um back in Scotland so yeah exciting to kind of finally be talking about our new passions yeah exactly how would you like to introduce yourself because I don't know how you want to (laughs) call yourself yeah so um I am um, a registered nutritional therapist and um I specialize in you know, all things women's health, um, so hormone health, um, but I'm just generally kind of passionate about helping people get the basics right, because I think that sometimes it's the, the most simple things that um, kind of getting them right helps us get on the right track with health. Um, and um, do you want me to talk about kind of my journey and how I got? Yeah, let's go for it. I was going to ask you, go in. Yeah. <laughs> Great. So, um, um, as you know, kind of when we met at university, I was studying something something completely unrelated. So, um, I did um, um, business, you know, with marketing at the time, and um, you know, I wasn't hundred percent sure what I wanted to do with my life, and kind of felt right like the right fit with the right prospects um, back then. And following that, I moved to London. And um, I worked in corporate environment for 10 years. So, um, yeah, and that was, that was really cool. I think kind of looking back, I had some amazing, kind of amazing managers, amazing um, kind of leaders in the business that taught me so much. Um, but I think just like many of us, London life can be so hectic, as you know. And kind of started noticing things that, yeah happening with my health that mm-hmm. weren't great and I think every every nutritionist every nutritional therapist probably has a story um mine isn't kind of that like straightforward but I noticed um what well, I didn't realize it was hormonal and imbalances back then but sometimes I'd be just completely burnt out at the weekends and I'd be just happy to stay in bed for literally two mm-hmm. days following a busy week um I, I can't remember we were probably hanging out back then and you're like oh where's Anna <laughs> she's just locking herself away in, in I was the same so exactly <laughs> <laughs> I was quite happy chilling as well <laughs> um and I think I've always been 
into healthy lifestyle. Um, I don't know you. You probably um, you would have probably kind of seen it, but I think in back then we're talking about kind of 10, 15 years ago, there wasn't as much information mm-hmm. um, kind of out there about just being healthy and eating eating well for your health. Um, and I think it was really confusing. So, you know, I looked up a lot of information online, but it was hard to know what's right and what's mm-hmm. wrong and kind of what to follow. So, so I didn't necessarily know that what I was eating was kind of directly related. So generally I was you know, quite good, but then kind of I binge on like chocolate bars. I'm still a chocoholic, but I try to do it in moderation. Um, or of course, like nights out when, yeah, that kind of didn't agree with me at all with like now on reflection, I know that. So kind of all these things were happening and, um, um, and yeah, I felt like something isn't quite right. And kind of was going on for a few years and I thought, you know, my periods were a little bit all over the place and I was having really painful periods. I think not everyone mm. knows, but um, they would kind of affect my ability to work sometimes mm-hmm. or kind of have to call in sick um, or just kind of silently suffer through them. And I just felt like, right, like something, <laughs> you're going to do something about it. But at the same time, um, my work... You know, was still going quite well and I was enjoying it, but I felt like, oh, there's just something more out there. Um, like something, it didn't quite kind of satisfy me 100%. So I felt like exploring something different. Fast forward, kind of 10 years after graduating, I finally decided to enroll into a course with um, College of Naturopathic Medicine. Um, and I heard so many good things about it and mm-hmm. kind of um, a couple of people I knew kind of went through it. And it's um, a three-year course uh, where I studied biomedicine, kind of two years of nutrition. Um, and I didn't quite know why I was doing it. I remember being really excited about getting on it. I felt like I was doing it for myself to begin with, mm-hmm. uh, with a potential kind of opportunity to for it to turn into something bigger, but I just didn't didn't really know what was going to come out of it. And I was studying part time um, um, weekends, and that worked really well, kind of with uh, with my career. So it meant that I didn't have to quit my job to do it. So yeah. um, again, because I, I didn't I didn't quite know kind of what the path was going to be. And I think just like you say in your podcast, and kind of generally, I think life is never a straight line. Um, mm-hmm. You never quite know kind of what the next turn is going to, where the next chapter is going to be. So that's how I felt. Um, it was almost like pivoting for me. It was like, right, let's see what's out there. Um, it might work out. It might just bring me some opportunities that I'm not aware of it of, you know, right now. So and that's what I did. And um, gosh, there was um, there quite. It was quite hard, kind of working and studying at the same time, but. Um, I met some amazing people throughout um, the course and uh, I guess like-minded people, but also um, kind of taught me to introduce kind of things gradually. So mm-hmm. it wasn't, it wasn't a quick fix, but I was learning so much about kind of health and hormones and, um, 
and kind of in- introducing little changes. And kind of over the course of three years, uh, my health really improved. I feel like I'm, I know it sounds so cliche, but I'm a different person now. And kind of mm-hmm. some of the beliefs that I had back then kind of no longer exist. So, for example, I think it just being kind of black and white isn't yeah like isn't they um anymore so I don't believe in foods being bad or good for you you know I think it's all about balance and trying to eat a variety of Mm -hmm. vegetables different colors um and just having everything in moderation and I know it sounds so simple but I've seen kind of firsthand that getting that right really works not just me but also my husband of course has been <laughs> impacted by it so I think I'm sure like if you're him, he 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 would agree with me and um um yeah he's he's kind of been uh, my guinea pig um um in that sense so yeah and here we are kind of um a few years later after well um I graduated um last spring kind of finally submitted um my course of coursework but I was actually <laughs> heavily pregnant when I was seeing my last um <laughs> clients in clinic and that was quite that was quite interesting so um so now I have you know one-year-old girl as you know and uh, it's all about trying to find balance of kind of building setting up my clinic and also doing kind of going back to work and kind of doing um a little bit of other things kind of marketing communications part-time so yeah I, again can it's, it's all about balance but that this is where I am now no I think it's fascinating obviously I've known you the whole time so it was really interesting to see how you slowly kind of were finding your passion in life because I remember like obviously we lived together in university when we were a silly 20 year old <laughs> so I just remember how you always, that's something I really admired about you. You've always been more in tune with your body than I think the average 20 year old. I feel like you've always been very switched on <laughs> to how you felt and what were the reasons you felt that way. And like, I, d- I didn't care. I would eat or drink anything basically at that age. Whereas you, you always kind of knew where the limits, what is good for you, what isn't. And I just think just something that I always admired in you as a person. Oh, that's really nice to hear. Thank you. And actually, like when you when you said that you're going to go to study to become a nutritionist, I, like it was so obvious. Like in my head, it's like, of yeah. course you are. Like it just feels so natural, like a natural next step for you. Actually, fun fact as well. I don't know if you know that you are the reason why I moved to London <laughs> like 12 years ago 12 I don't know many years ago well I never quite knew but I remember trying to convince you um and and it worked so here we are you're still in London um yeah. I made I made a step to you know, move out of London so I'm still still around but enjoying a bit of countryside in Berkshire so yeah exactly no it's just interesting to see kind of the development but yeah I think for me it was just so logical that you will become a nutritionist. <laughs> so kind of the question that I want to start with and something that I wouldn't say bothers me, but I really want to know, understand the difference. How are nutritionists different from dietitian? What are the biggest difference between the two? And kind of why would you go to a dietitian and why would you go to a nutritionist? Yeah, I think it's a great question. And I think probably a lot of people find it confusing and I think in general terms, kind of nutrition, nutritionist is 
is an umbrella term. So literally anyone can call themselves a nutritionist Mm -hmm. and it's not protected by law, um, the title. So, you know, person who does a three-month course in nutrition online can call themselves a nutritionist. Mm -hmm. And uh, similarly, um, somebody who does um, can actually an undergraduate uh, program in nutrition can also call themselves a nutritionist. So I think this is where the confusion really comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, so the only title that is protected by um, law is dietitian. So um, so they go kind of through quite rigorous training and um, kind of in contrast to nutritionists or nutritional therapists like myself, that kind of they mainly work um, in the NHS or kind of private clinics. And they are trained to deal with really complex clinical conditions such as um, kind of eating disorders, like mm-hmm. malnutrition, kidney failure, bowel disorders. So mm-hmm. kind of you might see dietitian in hospital settings. Um, it doesn't stop them from doing um, kind of seeing people one to one kind of mm-hmm. in kind of more private setting or um, kind of advice, giving advice on kind of general nutrition, but kind of they're, they're trained in both. And I think that's, my, my, in my understanding, that's the biggest difference. Um, and then you have kind of nutritionists and nutritional therapists. Again, kind of so confusing, like why are there so many terms? So like I said, kind of the term nutritionist is not protected by law, but mm-hmm. um some people kind of go through nutritionist training as an kind of undergraduate um, course. And my understanding is that that kind of helps them, um, puts them on the path of working kind of in the context of research, kind of, um, or kind of working with companies, educating them, educating companies on kind of food science. So again, it doesn't stop them from working uh, with, Um, clients one-to-one but they are trained to also work in context of research and then finally like nutritional therapists and there are many other titles you know I think out there but I think these are kind of the key ones Um, again the term is not protected by law Um, however there are kind of various councils that nutritional therapist can register with to demonstrate okay. that they have been through um, through um, training and kind of are still kind of keeping their continuous education mm-hmm. up to date. So kind of getting CPD points and are training kind of and are working in the in the framework that is um, kind of aligned with these membership bodies such as so for example i'm a member of bant which is um british association of for nutrition and lifestyle medicine and um to be able to call to be called a registered nutritional therapist um can also need to be registered with complementary and natural healthcare council um cnhc so and nutritional therapists like myself kind of work mainly work with people one-to-one and you know, we consider each individual to be unique and you know we recommend personalized nutrition and lifestyle programs rather than you know one size fits all approach so would we'll never recommend nutritional therapy as a placement for medical advice okay. um kind of work, often work with alongside medical professionals 
and whenever they're kind of red flags or signs of symptoms so kind of always refer back to GPs but kind of as nutritional therapists we can use kind of wider range of tools just testing for individual nutrition uh, nutrient status um, to kind of pick up on any nutritional imbalances understand how they may contribute to an individual symptoms the health concerns so if any of your listeners can are interested in seeing a nutritionist or nutritional therapist i would just highly recommend or dietitian of course can i would highly recommend just doing a bit of homework and kind of a bit of research just to make sure that the person they're seeing has undergone training and mm-hmm. that they're registered with if it's a dietitian of course there will be um kind of It'll be a bit more straightforward, but I think with nutritionists, um, just checking that they're um, registered with kind of bodies like um, AFN or BANT or CNHC. Cool. There, there are a few more out there, so I haven't kind of listed all of them, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think um, the key message is to do your research before kind of going um, yeah. and seeing a nutritionist or a nutritional therapist. Do you know, it's actually, no, I think that was a really good yeah. answer because. Um, it's actually a lot of parallels with coaching industry as well it's the same so coaching is not protected by anything so anyone can call themselves a coach but if you talk about like counselors or therapists that's the difference it's the same so they are trained the medical professionals or like psychologists versus coaching anyone can be a coach that's why if you do want to work with coach you need to make sure that you do your homework as you said and actually know that that's that person has done some training and they know what they're doing (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's very similar. Yeah, it's interesting because I think these industries are quite new, and I'm hoping that Mm -hmm. with time, um, kind of legislation will catch up with it. But I think it's quite difficult to create kind of set of rules and regulations so quickly. Um, Yeah, so I think let's give it kind of 10, 20 years, and I hope that it will be a lot more straightforward for um, Mm -hmm. potential clients. No, absolutely. So what are the most common reasons? Why do people come to a nutritionist? What are kind of the most common concerns or complaints that people come to you? Yeah. So um, as a, um, I, I like to call myself, I'm basically a registered nutritional therapist. Um, so um, which means that kind of, well, I can see people with kind of various symptoms, help them with various symptoms kind of many conditions so mm-hmm. um it could literally be anything from kind of gut issues like constipation diarrhea and digestion but then we also work with people with kind of more chronic illnesses like ibd and um, kind of irritable uh, bowel disorders or mm-hmm. kind of irritable bowel syndrome um I mean, the list is really long, like asthma, fatigue, bloating, um, certain psychological disorders. Um, Like I said, my passion is in kind of women's health and Mm -hmm. hormones. So I will kind of my ideal, um, kind of ideal client um, is somebody who's possibly like suffering with, I don't know, migraines, kind of unexpected migraines or painful periods or irritability to the point where it might could be affecting their um their life so i think that's where i can i can really help people 
Mm-hmm. Amazing. No, absolutely. And I think it's a lot of us can relate to this. So, yeah. <laughs> No, it's great. So I thought, you know, it would be very helpful if we do some myth busting because there's so many, so many myths. And kind of you touched on that as well earlier that there's so much information about food. And like I've read a lot of books, I've listened to a lot of podcasts, a lot of YouTube videos and stuff, but I still don't really understand <laughs> what is happening. So it'd be really good to break down some of the most common ones or the ones that cause us the most amount of issues <laughs> because we believe in them. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, yep. So shall I just call out the myth and then you'll tell me what is wrong with that, basically? <laughs> Perfect. Sounds good. Let's go. Cool. So the first one is you need to detox regularly. Oh, it's my favorite one. So <laughs> um, uh, that's, as you say, yeah, absolutely not true. Um, I think we have like our bodies are amazing. Like we have all these organs that can help us detoxify naturally and liver is the main detoxifying organ so um and when we talk about toxins there are two different kinds there are toxins from the external environment such as um uh, my gosh like anything like any chemicals like from Mm -hmm. um cleaning products even your like your makeup cosmetics Mm -hmm. i mean living in london there's lots of pollution so um, I think some cyclists, if there are any cyclists out there, they could, you probably know that going to drive while well, cycling into or like back like into the office um, can actually can be linked to kind of fatigue and headaches. Mm. Um, yeah. I think there's so many kind of external pollutants, um, but also there are like internal um, toxins that your body makes, such as like lactic acid, when we got to your toilet that's um yeah you know that's that's also like body excreting so i think when we talk about like detoxing a lot of people um think about external toxins that we kind of we're ingest uh, or kind of whether it's um, through eating or breathing or kind of through our skin and yeah the most important thing that you can do to help your body rid of toxins is um is looking after your body drinking enough water getting enough sleep eating enough protein because it's really important to uh kind of for your liver um not eating too much fat not eating too much, too much sugar alcohol i mean mm-hmm. like these probably sound so basic but um these are all the kind of building blocks that your body needs to be able to detoxify to, to naturally mm-hmm. so yeah, so I don't think, I mean, we're recording it, it's, it's early 2022, and I think some people might be coming out of kind of some detox programs. Um, I think, yeah, there's, there's absolutely no need to have one um, as long as you support your body to mm-hmm. do what it does best. Yeah, because when I think about detox, the first thing that pops into my head is those juice cleansers that were really popular. Like I've never done one because it just always sounded a bit rubbish to me. <laughs> but do they do anything like when you just drink juice for seven days straight? I mean, some people really kind of believe in them. Um, my school of kind of, um, I'm not a big supporter of anything too extreme. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe in moderation and. and kind of getting people on on a track where they introduce habits that can be kind of long like sustained long term and 
to me, these juice programs are quite restrictive. So Mm -hmm. because you're cutting out some of the food groups, so you're cutting out um, fat, you're cutting out protein if it's just going to juice for for 10 days. So um, there are some benefits to it. So some of the kind of some of the herbs or some of the vegetables that might be used in a juice can be supporting to the liver. But in my opinion, can I, I would not encourage my clients to, mm-hmm. to to get on a juice cleanse. Cool. It's good to hear. <laughs> and actually that kind of comes into next myth as well. So around superfoods, that eating superfoods automatically improve your health. What are your thoughts oh, on that? I absolutely <laughs> love this because I think if you go, I don't know if you remember, but I think about 10 years ago, it was all about superfoods, wasn't it? Like you go into super, like Holland Barrett, mm-hmm. then I was like, all right, what is it this month? Is it like goji berries or spirulina? There was all, always something new around. Was I think people are beginning to, yeah, just to be, be a bit more conscious of it now. Um, and I do believe um, in kind of superfoods as there are certain foods that are really kind of, packed with nutrients mm-hmm. um, more than others so um goji berries why are they so popular and why were they so popular um at the time for example so because they're packed with vitamin c mm-hmm. um so but they're not going to do anything kind of in isolation so if you were to eat goji berries for breakfast lunch and dinner you're only gonna cause trouble so you, you're not gonna do gonna any good to your body so Again, it kind of goes back to having keeping everything in moderation mm-hmm. and focusing on nutrient-rich foods. Um, and actually, I think some of the um, kind of understated superfoods are kind of out there. They are so affordable. They're on, on, on kind of supermarket shelves that you probably might not even look at, such as garlic. Olive oil, I think, is a superfood, mm-hmm. so it can be anti-inflammatory. Um, and garlic and it can boost your immune system kind of fights off viruses and bacteria so um, yeah I think it's just kind of going back to whole foods and Mm -hmm. making sure that you have everything in balance so how do you how do you feel about superfoods do you um, I think my personal opinion is that a lot of them are just a marketing trick it's just people jumping on a bandwagon, trying to make people pay a lot of money for something they don't actually need. <laughs> That's how I feel about it. Um, I mean, I do use some of the superfoods, if you like to call them that way, but it's just like, some of them are not that nice as well. Some things that people like keep saying that everyone should be consuming, actually not such nice things. And I think it's so personal as well as so like, wherever our bodies need will differ. And like, quinoa for example I don't mind quinoa but it's not my favorite I would not eat it all the time same as like broccoli and stuff it doesn't make me feel good sometimes so yeah so I'm very I think a lot of that is just marketing yeah I, I agree with you I think you have a very sensible approach um, <laughs> to it just kind of being aware of some of the foods that are nutrient dense and kind of potentially good for you but kind of doing a bit of research listening to your body saying mm. kind of what's what's right for you kind of what work, yeah. works and what doesn't no absolutely let's jump to the next one so next one is again controversial uh, the bread is bad for you <laughs> what are your thoughts oh, on yeah, this? i think 
anything that's labeled good or bad, um, I automatically dislike the statement. <laughs> so I don't think they're kind of good or bad foods um, out there. So there's some good things about bread. There's some bad things about, well, I don't want to say bad again. It's kind of very black and mm-hmm. white. But um, I think the reason bread got such a bad rep recently um or probably again in the last 20 years is well a it's a high in carb so mm-hmm. again if you're just having toast for breakfast on its own it's not the most um kind of varied um breakfast so gonna you might well want to add some like fat and uh, uh, protein to it so again it's about keeping things in balance um and also there's different types of bread out there there's i mean there's there's white bread there's whole mm-hmm. whole grain bread there's sourdough bread there's so many different options and i think it's the white bread again that kind of gets the bad reputation because often yeah it's, it's not really kind of high in nutrients so and I think that's where you can, if you consume it regularly, kind of day after day, that can cause some um, kind of health issues. But I wouldn't be scared of it necessarily. So, um, and it's not necessarily like something I would recommend my clients to have every day. But like, again, everything in moderation, like a slice of good quality, kind of whole grain bread is absolutely fine. I mean, again, kind of trying to balance it, um, like I said, with adding some maybe avocado and some seed, like pumpkin mm-hmm. seed, sunflower seed, linseed, would kind of make it a little bit more friendly to your blood sugar balance and kind of want spike your blood sugar levels instantly. So again, it, it's a myth, but um, I can I can see I can see kind of where the misconceptions kind of might have come from. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's connected actually to one of the other. Um big myth as well it's around gluten because I feel like gluten-free is such a so popular right now and some people kind of avoid to go gluten-free what are your thoughts on that because personal opinion gluten-free stuff sometimes is disgusting I'm sorry (laughs) how do you feel about it yeah and I think I think just for some reason again gluten-free food just become so popular in the last 10 years and every other person and if you live in London, I think mm-hmm. has probably been through like a gluten-free phase where kind of they felt like, all right, I'm 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 going gluten-free this week just because it's you know I've heard it's healthy. Um, but then if you look at the ingredient list on some of these gluten-free products that are on the supermarket shelf, you see kind of lots of oh, lots of fillers, lots of starches. So it's not really kind of the best alternative to to whole grain bread so unless you have celiac disease mm-hmm. or can yeah. have gluten intolerance there is no need to avoid gluten and um kind of yeah and like cutting it out won't make you lose weight because i think that's again that's one of the misconceptions that you know yeah. gluten um, linked to um weight so it's often it's something that i would explore kind of in clinic so I would never recommend gluten-free diet kind of straight away, but some people might have kind of sensitivity to it or um, kind of 
I think people with celiac disease kind of would know it because it's mm-hmm. life debilitating. Yeah, and, of course. and but I think gluten intolerance is something that might explore, but it doesn't mean that we should all be avoiding gluten. And to be fair, I think it would be a very miser- miserable mm-hmm. <laughs> life. And I think it's quite difficult to to achieve. Um, kind of without, yeah, without kind of feeling miserable. <laughs> Yeah, I just think like it will, yeah, kind of leads to quite a dramatic life change if you do want to go gluten free. But it's nice to know yeah. that because I feel like for, and there's still some people who still te- will tell you that everyone should be gluten free, but it's all just based on the personal experience. So it's good to yeah. hear that I, not everyone has I, to I do think, that. <laughs> yeah, and I think there's some great um, kind of gluten free um, grains out there that, you know, again, I think it's nice to have variety. Um, things like, you know, buckwheat, for example, is um, naturally gluten-free. So um, rather than having you know, pasta every night for dinner, like why not mix it up and have buckwheat now and again? So, um, you know, oats, again, the way that they're manufactured, um, kind of they're naturally gluten-free, but in the manufacturing process, gluten can mm-hmm. you know, be added to it, if you will. So, so yeah, again, kind of gluten-free oats can be a nice alternative to kind of wheat bread um, if, if you're having that every day. So I think, yeah, it's nice It's nice to mix it up, but it doesn't mean that we should all be avoiding, avoiding mm-hmm. gluten. No, great to hear. Um, next one, which I thought is quite interesting one, uh, because you sent me the list of some of these. So we should all drink more water. What do you think about that? Um, I have I have opinions too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it all depends um where kind of where you start from. You know, if um if you're already drinking um I don't know 1.6 kind of two liters a day, it doesn't mean that you should be drinking more because it can kind of mess up with like mess up your um kind of minerals and kind of electrolytes in your body so it's all very personal so I think one again depends on the season right so if it's winter and it's quite cool in your house so you're not sweating as much so you if you're not exercising and if you're a bit more sedentary you might not need as much water as somebody who is kind of running a marathon and kind of in a hot country Mm -hmm. um um, you know, who's sweating and kind of losing a lot of a lot of uh, water through that. So I think it's really it's re- it really depends. So again, I think listening to your body is so important. So if you're drinking one and a half liters, so you might want to add a couple more glasses and see how you feel. And I think the body will often tell you. So can you some of the signs you might kind of. You, you might want to look at is I'm, I'm sorry I'm going to talk about some things that might not be very pleasant to some people but I think <laughs> as a nutritional therapist where I've become a bit immune to it so color of your pee so you can be looking for a straw like yellow kind of straw like color so if it's really dark then you might want to add a couple of glasses mm-hmm. um again we're not talking about the color of the pee first thing in the morning but you kind of you want to look at it throughout the day so yeah and um again it, it's very personal I think as a general guide you know 1.6 to 2 liters sounds gonna sounds ideal but then 
we're all different. Mm-hmm. And I think my, my biggest issue with this advice is, um, is when people say that it just has to be pure water as well. So everyone has to drink two liters of water every day. And then when you ask about like teas, herbal teas, juices, what if I eat soup all day? People kind of discount that, that is not liquid. What would you answer to that? Yeah, you're absolutely right. So I think um, like herbal teas, non-caffeinated teas count um, in your water intake. So um, things like soup, so kind of having more kind of liquid in your in your diet increases that water content in your body as well. Something that kind of thing I would I would still recommend having pure water um, mm-hmm. or herbal teas, kind of non-caffeinated herbal teas, just because it kind of helps nutrient absorption. Um, yeah, so so if, if you're eating soup all day, I would also encourage you to have water in addition to that. Mm-hmm. Okay. But you're absolutely right. Kind of, yeah. It's it's um, again. Kind of, it's all about all about balance. Kind of assessing your your daily intake of Mm -hmm. kind of more liquid foods. Yeah, I just think it's quite be quite dangerous advice saying that everyone has to drink two liters of water every day, even though like disregarding what else you do on the side of that. And as you said, if I don't leave home the whole day, (laughs) just sit on my bum the entire day, like. It will be too much water for me. <laughs> yeah. And can you, I think people might want to look out for kind of other sides of dehydration, like mm-hmm. headaches, dry mouth, and kind of, I think like bloating can be linked to, to dehydration in some people. So yeah, just kind of checking in with yourself and saying, okay, is there is something not quite right? And maybe just adding mm-hmm. to, trying to add a little bit more if it doesn't work, take it yeah. out. Cool. Listen, I feel like we can be chatting for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I feel I need to slowly start to drop down. I'm just getting a free advice, basically, from nutritionists <laughs> in a very selfish way. But I thought what would be good to finish off with, it, finish up with, is talk about how to actually make those changes because that's the hardest thing, is it? Like we know the advice, we know what we should be doing, but like what can help us to make it stick? I suppose those changes, those habits. What would your advice yeah. be? I love this question because you're absolutely right. It's, I think if you're not ready to make a change, then, well, I think there's kind of two different scenarios here that I want to talk about that if you're not ready to make a change and or if somebody else kind of forces you to mm-hmm. make a change to your diet or your lifestyle, then can you're just lacking that motivation and it's really, really hard to do so. Equally, you might have you know, the best intention to, well, um, you know, start a new month, a new week from um, you know, being really good at the time that <laughs> a lot of people use. Mm-hmm. Um, but if these changes are not sustainable and you're not being realistic about how they're going to fit into your lifestyle and you can be surrounded by temptations, I think it's not always going to work. So my advice would be to really tune in with yourself and ask a questions. Why is it important to me? So why do you, why, why do I want to make this change? And that will be your motivation. And that's something you can, you might want to take a note of in your, mm-hmm. in your phone and, uh, and you might want to turn to in difficult moments, right? So when you, when you're not, kind of feeling motivated and kind of hopefully that will bring you back to um kind of 
to where you're coming from. So some people it might be, you know, something like getting kind of their health back on track or um, getting rid of some of the symptoms they're suffering with, um, kind of pains, not sleeping well. So you might want to set an intention. You want to sleep better. You want to get rid of menstrual pain, something like that. And I think it's the internal drive that's most powerful as opposed to some of the kind of social pressures of, you know, you want to, you want to look good and um, to kind of fit in into mm-hmm. society, for example, which is um, you know, probably not the best kind of way to, to start your journey because kind of think it needs to be internal and there's nothing wrong with aesthetic goals. Um, mm-hmm. And if you, if you want to kind of look a certain way, that's absolutely fine. So, but I think it needs to be true to you. Agreed. And I think what is the biggest point here as well, it's just kind of like my, my life coaching side of things kicks in here. I think if it's external motivation, if you're doing something because you feel like you have to, that normally comes from fear because you feel like you're not good enough. And that fear, yeah, it can drive you a bit forward, but it will crash at some point because it comes from pain. It comes from very negative place versus if you come from internal stuff, I know I want to make the change because I want to feel better. It's much more positive. And I feel like it helps you to go to sustain it longer, I suppose, in a way. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I think actually somebody who might be like struggling with making the change, kind of working with, a person like you, you know, um, a life coach who can help them, who can help people to kind of understand what these drivers and fears are, mm-hmm. you know, is really important because you might have the best advice. And I mean, I've been trained to you know, help people um, implement these changes to a certain extent, but I think um, sometimes it requires a little bit like an extra, extra helping hand. And I think mm-hmm. that's when people like you really come in yeah well I think that's why it's, um, it's very worth spending your money on a specialist really someone who can help you same as when you're talking about nutritionists knowing those little things that actually make a quite a big difference in the end and really yeah. helping to adjust what is that that specific person needs and what would the maybe sometimes the smallest change but for that specific person will make the biggest change overall and they will yeah. be much more motivated I think to go forward and change more about their life yeah I agree and I think one more thing I wanted to mention that I think is really important is your support going to not just support of the coach but also you know your family or your friends or people you can chat to about you implementing these changes because it's all good when you kind of sat alone a desk or kind of your safe space and you you make a plan and feel like right I'm going to do this but then if you're having some like negative forces coming from your family it's really really hard to persevere Mm -hmm. um and also having somebody who kind of constantly educates you and supports you like again a coach a nutritionist is so Mm -hmm. important I think so that yeah you you can understand why you're doing this change so it's not just about not eating sugar or kind of adding things in so you can understand if you can understand how the body works and kind of what's actually happening on biochemical level I think that really empowers people Mm -hmm. to make this change because in in the moment of weakness can you 
you'll um gonna you'll go back to that knowledge and that will hopefully help you make the right choice yeah I love that no absolutely so how do you do you currently work with people on -on one-on-one basis so if anyone would like to get in touch with you what are the best ways and how do you how do you provide support yes absolutely so um I I currently work with people um online so Mm -hmm. one-to-one session and um so if anyone's interested you more than welcome to can have a 15 minute chat with me which is um which is free so there's no obligation so we can chat about your symptoms and I can explain how I work and mm-hmm. um you can then make a decision kind of whether it's right for you so yeah I'm um based in Berkshire um, but at the moment only seeing uh, people online cool and what are the best ways to get in touch with you uh, you can find me on Instagram. Um, my handle is annajenkin.nutrition. And yeah, I hope you can um, add it in your um, I will do. Yep. show notes. Yeah, it'd be great. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And I know we, obviously, we are friends, so it's really hard to stop talking. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge because I know it's invaluable and I basically just got a free consultation here. <laughs> <laughs> anytime love chatting to you um as always so and thank you so much for inviting me to be on your show no absolutely thank you thank you so much for listening it would mean a world to me if you rate this podcast if you're using an apple podcast app all you need to do is just scroll down a bit and hit those five stars Don't forget to subscribe, that way you will not miss any future episodes. And if you would like to work with me as a life coach, you can find all information on my website and you can get in touch with me through my Instagram or email. All will be linked in the show notes.